so yeah, as, uh, as we've been talking about, six years as a church, um, it's a wild thing. Uh, you know, um, when, you, when you, you know, we picked up our lives from Sacramento, we moved out here to, to start a church, and you just don't know. You don't know, and everybody told us, you know, we've said this many times before, but everybody told us, like, that's not going to work, guys. Like, that's a bad idea. Like, you know, we did it all the wrong ways, you know, <laughs> like, all the ways you're not supposed to plant a church. But, um, but you know, God has seen us through, and, uh, and he's, he's the one who's brought us here today. He's the one that's brought each of you here today. He's brought me here, right? And so it's, I, I don't take any credit for, for any of the growth or any of the good in this church. It's all God, because he's so good. My job is just to try to be obedient as best I can and try to move in the direction that he's asking us to move in. And that's, that's my job, right? But he's the one that grows the church. He's the one that builds the church, you know? And so we give him credit. You know, he, we give him credit um, for these things. And, you know, um, we're in this by faith series, and it's taken a lot of faith to see, uh, to see Village Church through, um, through these six years, you know? It's taken a lot of faith to even from the beginning, from moving and uh, up to this point, there's been a lot of big faith moments of, okay, God, how are you going to do this? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to see this need met? How are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to raise this money? Whatever, right? And every time, God has been so good and so faithful to see us through, and it's, it's to abundance, right? Like, he, he meets our needs above and beyond what we could ever ask, hope, or imagine, guys. Like, that's the God we serve, and even when it seems hard, when it seems darkest, or it seems like those needs aren't being met, he's still doing it. It's, it's just whether or not we're going to give him credit for something that we can't see yet or not. You hear me? Yes. You hear me? Yes. Yeah. And so that's what it means to be a church that lives by faith. And we are a church that wants to live by faith. We want to cling to God's leg, right? So we've talked about a couple times in this series, right? And we, wherever he, he goes, we just want to cling like a little kid to his leg and just kind of be along for the ride, right? That's what we want as a church. That's what Village Church should be. And the moment that we let go of that leg, that's when we're in trouble. Amen? And so um, I believe we've gotten to this point as a church because we've had to cling to that leg. And so I'm thankful for the moments that have forced us to cling to God's leg, that have forced us to grab him around the waist and not let go. I'm, I, I can stand here today grateful for those moments. And so um, all, credit, all credit is due to him, right, that we're, that we're sitting here today. So, um, you know, uh, we've been in Hebrews chapter 11 in the, in the faith series so far, and we've been walking through the major figures in the Hall of Faith. And um, this morning, I just have a short message, and I want us to read together out of Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open to Hebrews chapter 12, it's going to be up on the screen as well. But, um, yeah, let me just read that for us. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Therefore... Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that's out of the NIV, and I just want to read that again out of the message version, and I think um, 
you know, the message is kind of a, almost a commentary on, on scripture passages. And so I want to I wanna read that because I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it. Um, Do you see what this means? <laughs> all these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I just love how it puts that. And so, you know, we've, we've come through six years as a church and we've seen, um, you know, a lot. We've seen some incredible things. We've seen hundreds of people come to Jesus so far, which is an amazing thing we get to say. You know, we've seen uh, VBS events where, where so many dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hundreds of kids probably at this point have given their lives to Jesus because of our efforts at VBS. What an awesome thing that we get to do for this community, right? Like we've done big, big events for the community. We've been a part of this community. This, this community sees us as a vital part of it now, which is amazing. Right? Like I have a relationship with the new uh, HOA manager and I've been talking with him and he's telling, he's saying that, that he sees that this church is vital to this community and he wants to partner with us to make sure that we're a good partnership. Like that's a God thing, guys. That's a God thing, you know. We have this incredible partnership with the school where they see the same way the health of the church means the health of the school. They've said that, right? Like that's an amazing thing. You know, like I have the honor of getting to meet with um, the district superintendent once a week, right? That's an incredible thing that we have, right? That's a, that is only God can write that story, right? And so God has brought us through and he's allowed us to see so much good, churches planted and people reached for Jesus, right? And we've seen so much in these last six years. And if we want to see more, if we want to see what more is in store, then we have to adhere to what Hebrews 12 one through three is telling us we need to. If we want to run this race with perseverance, and it requires perseverance, believe me, it requires perseverance to keep going sometimes. But if we want to see that finish line, and if we want to get to where God has, us, uh, has planned for us, right, we have to, we have to follow these, um, these points that this passage is making for us, right? And I want to just land on the first one for a moment. And and it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. If we want to get to another six years, then we have to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, church. We have to. We have to root it out. We have to call it out. We have to beef there for one another. In those moments, we have to love each other through it. Right? We, don't, we don't shun people and we don't cast people out, right? But we have to see it in ourselves. We have to see that sin and the burdens that we carry and the brokenness that we're choosing in our lives. Oftentimes, guys, I know it doesn't feel like it, but it is. We choose brokenness in our lives. 
We make that choice oftentimes because it feels comfortable and that's all we know and we feel like, well, this is just the way it is and I can't ever get beyond this and so I'll just learn to live with this. And, I, and we know that God loves us anyway, right? Even, even our choice of sin doesn't separate us from our love, that God's love for us, but it separates us from so much. It separates us from purpose. It separates us from him being able to use us and us being able to even communicate with him and hear from him. That sin that we choose, that sin that burdens us and holds us back and chains us down. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to take this church out. And he's taken out a lot of churches, guys. He's taken out a lot of churches. Churches are closing way faster than they're opening right now in the United States. There's over a thousand churches that close, more that close than open each year. So every year we're, we're losing over a thousand churches in the United States. And you know what? Some, some of those churches, it's not, it's not necessarily like they, you know, it was a sin thing or something like that, but I promise you a lot of it is. A lot of those churches have closed because there's sin that's being accepted. Sin that's being promoted even at times. So as the body of Christ, as those who I believe you're here because you want to move forward in what God has for us, amen? amen? We have to throw off the sin that so easily entangles church. We have to. Got to rid ourselves of it. You know, and uh, something I've learned about sin in my life is that I spent a long time trying to fight the, the symptom of sin directly or the sin directly. And I found myself in a losing battle over time when I tried to face the sin by myself head on, right? It was until I realized that, like, the cause of why I was going to sin in the first place, that's when I was able to really find healing and freedom from sin in my life. And so I want to encourage you today as well, like, if you feel like you're caught in a cycle and you feel like you just can't get out of it, know that, one, like, if you just fight the sin itself, like, likely you will stay caught in a cycle of sin. But we have to go beyond that and say, why, God? Why am I choosing sin over you? Why am I choosing sin over holiness in my life? And for me, I found that it was rooted in a deep, deep self-hatred that stemmed from, you know, all kinds of issues from my past. And it was once I allowed Jesus to come in and heal that self-hatred and uproot lies that I believed about myself, that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy, I wasn't worth anybody's time, that kind of stuff. Then the desire for sin that was sating all those emotions in me, right? Like, it got a lot easier to fight. So we have to know, you know, the root cause of where our sin is in our lives if we want to root it out, guys. And the Holy Spirit will show you. But that leads to the next point of what this passage is telling us, what the author of Hebrews is telling us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. I remember when I was struggling, um, you know, deep in anxiety and sin and, and just brokenness in my own life. And I just cried out to God so many times, you know, and I felt this, this moment with him where he said, like, Cody, look at me. 
I felt him say that to me, and I was indignant, and I just like acted like a bratty little kid, and like, okay, well, I can't see you, so like, what is that supposed to mean, to Jesus? You know, like this super bratty attitude comes out of me, which it does from time to time with him, you know. But like, you know, I knew he wasn't going to physically appear, appear in front of me and be like, here I am, but he's here. Absolutely. Guys, he's, he's here. Fixing our eyes on him means we acknowledge his presence. And way too often we go through life refusing to acknowledge it because we don't want to face what it means if we look at him. I know that's a hard truth, but it's the truth, guys. And so I had to sit, I sat down on a couch and I just kind of went like, <sighs> you know, like, and I, like just pretended like he was sitting right next to me and I just like bawled my eyes out talking to Jesus. And it's not that I didn't pray before that. It's not that I didn't think I was talking to him, but even my prayers at times were a way of avoiding a conversation with him. Just saying things like, Jesus, take this away from me, and Jesus, make me feel better. But I never would actually hear from him. I'd never face him in that. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? We do that. I know I'm not the only one who does that. We do that. We don't want to face ourselves. I know that. We don't want to face the nonsense and the brokenness that we've allowed into our lives. We don't want to because it's, it's no fun. It's no fun. But I need you to hear, church, that we have the opportunity to be freed from that if we would just face him. Will it be hard? Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. But it's good. And it's what we need. And only he can provide that healing for us and that salvation and that restoration and that freedom. It's only through him. You're not going to fight your way through it by yourself. Sorry, you're not going to do it. Jesus died on the cross. He died to help us, to make a way. And if we ignore him in our battles, if we ignore him in our struggles, if we aren't fixing our eyes on him, then we're fixing our eyes on ourselves, and we're the ones who got us in that situation in the first place. Amen? Amen. So, we've got to fix our eyes on him. We've got to lock eyes with him and say, Jesus, I know you're here. Thank you for being here in this moment. Thank you for seeing me. We look at him, and we allow him to speak. And you know what? Sometimes all he wants is silence because he just wants to be with us. If you can't hear him right away, that doesn't mean a thing. I'll tell you, this is weird for me, but like a lot of times, like I'll... You know, when I'm really low, like I'll sit on a couch and I'll look over at Jesus and I don't know what to say a lot of times. This last season, I've been at a loss for words as to what to say a lot of times, guys. But you know what? I'll just lay on the couch. I'll put a pillow where I think his lap is and I just lay on his lap. Nice. I just sit there in that moment. It's weird as a 36-year-old dude. Sometimes, and those thoughts come in my head, but it's like, you know, I don't care because he wants this. And he just wants me. He just loves me. And he wants to put his hand on my shoulder. He just wants to sit there sometimes. So fixing our eyes on Jesus, as we've, we talked about last week about being still, right? If we want to get through the battles in our lives, we've got to be still. 
If we fix our eyes on Jesus, then we have to allow him to dictate what's going to happen when we fix our eyes on him. We can't go in those situations and say, Jesus, I need this and this and this and this. We go to him and he'll draw out what he needs drawn out. That's trusting him. That's the faith that he is who he says he is. So we throw off sin. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We keep moving forward that way. That's how we keep moving forward in the path that he set up, right? And also it's telling us that in this chapter here, or this passage here, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And again, the, the message is version of that, right? Like, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So we remember. We, f- we throw off the burdens that he's telling us, come to me, give those to me, hand those over to me. I have freedom from you. I want to take those from you. I already know what they are. That's not a surprise to me. Just put them in my hands. Fix your eyes on me. And we remember who he is. Remember what he's done. It is such a comfort to me so many times when I'm facing a hardship in my life, I recall what Jesus went through. And it's such a comfort. Because the book of Hebrews also says that we don't serve a high priest that's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows, guys. He's seen the worst of it. He's felt the worst of it. And that's why we can go to him. That's why we can fix our eyes on him. He's not so separated that he doesn't understand. He gets it. He knows hurt. He knows pain. He knows suffering. So we remember what he's been through and that he got through it. And he made a way for us to get through it as well. And God has also given us the church. He's given us each other to help recall his goodness, to help stir one another up towards love and good deeds, to call one another towards more, towards holiness, towards the good that he has for us, the greater, the more, right? The, 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 the faith that is required, right? Like he, he's, he's given us each other to encourage each other in what's possible in our lives. He's given us each other. And so, you know, our mission statement, guys, is that we exist to share our stories with Jesus so that others can have their own stories with him. And so this morning, we want to give some testimonies. We need to hear from each other. We need to hear from each other this morning the goodness of God what he's done in and through you in this recent season, even. That shot of adrenaline. We need that this morning. Do you need a shot of adrenaline this morning? Right? One of the most powerful things we can do for each other is to recall the goodness of God and say, this is what he's done for me. Because you know what? If he's done it for one of us, he wants to do it for all of us. Amen? So, Katie has the microphone, and she's, uh, she's going to walk around, and I just want to encourage you, like, this isn't about, I know it's our six-year anniversary, and, like, this isn't about Village Church, okay? This is about Jesus. This is about what Jesus has done.
And so we want to hear this morning, what has Jesus done for you? What has he done in your life recently? What good have you found in him? How have you been clinging to him? And how have you seen him bring you through maybe this last season? Who wants to start? Katie told me about a month ago that if I wasn't first when we did this, she's going to call me out on it. Okay. So two things. This morning, I really had to battle to be here. I wasn't feeling very good. Um, I had an accident with a broken thing that pinched me really good. Um, but more important, and when I walked through the doors, we were praying, and instantly I felt better just about being here. But in January, Rob got COVID. And this whole time, I have been afraid that if Rob got COVID, that he would get pneumonia and I would lose him. He has pneumonia a lot. When he gets sick, it goes into pneumonia, and we have to have antibiotics and so forth and so on. Rob did COVID. Lee and I did not get it. I'm his main caregiver, and Rob did not get pneumonia. That's God. That's, that's how God has worked since the first of the year in my life. And I'm so grateful. Amen. It's like I have to at this point. Um, and if you're shy and you don't want to want to share, I used to be that way. Um, so I get it. I get nervous. Um, <clears throat> About a year ago, God started dealing with me on, on my issues and my sins and uh, my identity in Him and just dealing with my, uh, mainly my emotional health and unhealth and uh, started reading some books and went to counseling and just trying to figure out who I am and what's, what's wrong with me and deal with those things. And um, it was really hard, uh, Cody said. You know, as weird as a 36-year-old dude, you know, uh, there's such a stigma that we, as men especially, can't deal with our emotions or we can't uh, be vulnerable. And that is, I want to say something right now. That is uh, not good. It's BS. And I'm so sick of the culture telling us to do that because we see in Scripture that David and Jonathan wept with each other. We see that Jesus wept. And uh, we are multifaceted creatures from mind, body, soul, and, uh, and uh, emotional beings too. And we're, we need to be healthy in all aspects. And, and God has been working, you know, now I'm 38 and he's been working on me. Um, so I had a lot of baggage, a lot of skeletons in the closet to deal with. And this last season has been phenomenal for me to be able to deal with those, to go to counseling. Um, I'm still going to counseling, and, uh, and it's phenomenal to sit and 
sometimes I go in and I'm like, I, I'm not going to have anything to say. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And uh, that's my MO is, I don't know. And I will just go in there and he'll just spark the conversation and I will, I will talk for 45 minutes straight. It's like, it's like, apparently I do know what's going on inside of me. I just don't want to deal with it. But when you're, when you understand that God wants complete health for you, he wants you to be, you know, he wants to save your soul, but you still have the rest of your life to live. And to deal with all that stuff, all mental stuff, emotional stuff, um, physical stuff, anything, God wants to deal with that and bring healing and wholeness to us as Christians. He wants us to, he wants to bless us in that way. He doesn't want us hanging on to that garbage. And the, the last almost year dealing with that has been amazing. And then as many of you know, the last six months have been quite difficult. And um, I read a book called Hind's Feet on High Places, and it's really weird. But I'm going to recommend it to everybody. Um, because you learn when you're in the valleys, um, that's where God is. God is in the, in the darkest times of your life. Like, that's when he is going to show up and really show off. You know, when, when everything's going really good, it's easy to be, oh, life is good. So the goodness of God is, you know, like in comparison. Like, but when everything's really bad, the goodness of God is even that much better. And uh, for me to walk through this season that I'm in with the church, with you guys, has been incredibly difficult strewn with suffering and sorrow. Those are my two words. Um, that's where Jesus has shown up. And he doesn't want you to just keep shutting the closet. He wants you to open it up and deal with all the junk, with all the, all the skeletons. Even if it's not like sin, like a blatant sin, obviously he wants to deal with that, but he wants to get to the root of it all and figure it out. And, and like Cody said, like this is just Everything he was saying was just like perfectly aligned with what God's doing in me. He's, he wants to root it all out and deal with it and, and bring wholeness to us as his children. You are his child. I have children and I want... You know, my daughter and I, my daughter's just like me and that's fun. Um, <laughs> It's really fun for me, but it's fun to watch her and my wife. That's funny. Um, I tell her stuff all the time, and she just, she just thinks I'm getting after her being mean. And I'm like, I want you to be the best human being you can possibly be. I've already been 12 years old. I know all the stuff you're dealing with. Like, I already know. I have 38 years of experience going through stuff with relationships and people and life. And she just thinks I'm just being mean. It's like... I want the absolute best for you, for all of my children. And I think any parent would say that, unless you're awful. And if you are, I don't want to be your friend. But God is, I'm not done, Katie. I know. God, I'm just going to take up the whole time. God is, God wants so much goodness for you. He wants to fill your entire life to where you are overflowing with his goodness. And I'll just end on that because I will keep talking. <laughs>
Village Church. Um, my name is Stephanie. Some of you know me, some of you don't. Um, you all know, a few years ago when I first came here, I dealt with my daughter and drugs. Um, we were able to get her back with her children, and it was great. And then she relapsed, and we've been going probably for the last six to nine months with her having a new baby, getting off of drugs. And I think this time, I'm sure this time, that God has changed her because she never wanted to come to our church or even talk about church. And last week I told Cody, I said, why don't you come to church? She goes, I'm not ready, Mom. But that's the first time in 28 years that she's ever really acknowledged that she wants to be in church. So it's working. It takes a long time. And anybody who's dealt with addicts understands the hurt that you see. And the things you have to work through. I generally like to be happy about everything, but internally we put on that sadness or we have that sadness and then externally we show everybody, you know, the blessings and the, the good part of our life. So I'm just glad that I can share it. And I hope that this helps somebody in the room understand that you can work with the people that are addicts and that one day God will cure them. Hi, uh, I'm really nervous, sorry. Um, I'm Jillian and I come with Adeli. Um, my mom is an addict also and she left us when I was seven maybe and I don't know where she's at now. I've tried over the years to help her and stuff but I'm glad that your daughter has gotten better, but my mom hasn't. Um, but I wanted to talk about Adeli because prior to meeting her, I wasn't like a person that wanted to go to church and I had a lot of, I guess, hate for it because I felt like, why would he take my mom kind of thing? But meeting her, she's let me She's brought me here and she's got me back into like believing and understanding that he puts things in our life for us to like become stronger kind of thing. And it sucks in the moment, but like after the fact, it's, it's made me a better mom. I have two kids and I want to make sure that they have everything that I never had, you know? Like next week we're going to Disneyland <laughs> and I'm so excited for my oldest. He's in the the classroom right now, but I just want to say, like, thank you. She's not here, but Adele, she's definitely led me back onto a path of believing, because before, I just, I, would, I wasn't having it. I wouldn't want to come to church or anything, so, yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Good morning. My name's Rick, and we serve a miracle-working God. Um, I'm going through a season where God's letting me see things through his eyes and not my selfish, self-seeking, self-centered eyes so I can get a better perspective of what people are going through. <clears throat> and I'm grateful that he's opening my eyes so I can be more compassionate and caring and loving and giving and forgiving, because that's who he is. And I believe that uh, great things are in store for everybody, for those who are hurting or those who have had addiction problems or dealing with addiction people, there's hope in God. I'm proof of that. I did drugs for 30-something years, um, but he never, ever, ever abandons us. Even when we're at our low points, he's there. Like Cody says, look, just put your arm around him. Let him hug you. Hug him because he wants us. That's the relationship that he wants. He wants us to rely on him on the good times, the bad times, and in between. So we know we have a wonder, miracle-working God that's on our side 24-7. So let's not give up on people, ourselves, anybody. Let us know that the blessings that, there's many blessings that we don't even see that he gives us and the people around us. Let us not forget that God's love is unconditional and let us try and show everybody unconditional love. I know it's hard because we're flesh, but let our actions speak louder than words. Let us show that kindness, that compassion, that love for one another because it's fellowship that God wants. He didn't put us on this earth to be alone. He knows we're gonna go through hard times. That's why we have fellowship. That's why we have church. That's why we have brothers and sisters to lean on in times of trouble, times of heartache, times of unknown, unforeseen things. <clears throat> God is always there. He will stand with us no matter what. Let us not lose hope. Let us not forget who he is, what he's done for us, and what he will do for us in the future. He is a miracle God, and he's a loving God, and I am so blessed to call him my father. Thank you. Hi, Village Church and family. My name is Sarah. I'll probably lose it, but um, I am in a season of life right now that is full of trials. Just about two or three weeks ago, though, I felt like I was on top of a mountain, praising and just in such a great place. And I went through a sozo with Pastor Cody, and I met with Jesus because I had a lot of bitterness that I was holding on to in my life. When I met with Jesus, without going into too many details, I literally handed him my beating heart, recognizing that I needed to not give it to other people, but to him first. I handed him my daughter's hand. I handed him my marriage certificate. I handed him the ashes of my mom, which he refused. 
and brought my mother in and said, I have your soul. I do not need the body that is left behind. And I was unburdened. I was carrying so many rocks in my backpack and it was weighing me down. And without handing that over to Jesus, I wouldn't be in a place of peace that I am now in the trial that I am facing. He is so good. He is so good all the time. I think that's all I have to say. Thank you. One more. Alicia, for any of you that don't know me, and I moved here almost four years ago to help plant churches in Gladden Farms. A church in Gladden Farms turned into churches. <laughs> um, and I have been on the path of ordination to become a, an ordained pastor for <sighs> too many years. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's, it's been a journey. Um, and the last six months has been very difficult for me in relationships and in calling and in um, just a lot of things. I lost a friend who was my person, who was my um, go-to for my whole entire Christian walk. And it was like someone said in tribe group the other night, it was like a divorce for me. And through all of that and everything that's gone on in the last six months with sin and brokenness, my own sin and brokenness, other people's sin and brokenness, um, I was making a decision to quit. I got a job that took me out of church on Sundays and the more I was just in the world and not in church, the more comfortable the world was feeling. And the more I was like, I can just do what I do out here in the world and not have to deal with all the brokenness and hurt that the church was bringing me. And I'm grateful that I started going to tribe group on Tuesdays because it gave me a connection um, still to church, but um, I was still on the verge of quitting ordination. And I mean, I sent the email this week that I was quitting. I text Cody and said, I'm done. And, um, and I kind of had it in my head that, you know, I, I disciple people naturally. It's what I do. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that we can't have a conversation without talking about Jesus. Some people like that. Some people hate that. But it's who I am, and it's who I've been for 12 years. So I just was like, I can just go do this on my own. And I can't do this on my own. And um, what's funny is I walked in today. So the reason I am here today is because miraculously a woman 
quit at our job who had Sunday Mondays off, and so I went to my boss and said, if there's any way that I can have that schedule, and there isn't, but there is a way she put me on call on Sundays, and so now my Sundays, most of them, some of them, will be freed up to be able to come to church, and the timing is impeccable, isn't it? The week that I'm going to quit, <laughs> the week is when God said, oh no, but look, you can go to church. So I walked in, and of course I was late, but that's, you know, me. But um, I walked in, and the song was playing that um, was saying, I've seen him heal mental illness. I've seen him heal addiction. I've seen, you know, I'm an addict. I come from, the, from a not great past, and uh, he's healed all of that. And so, and I walked in, he was just, it was like that song was for me. He's like, remember what I've already done. And you can keep going, and you don't need to quit. And, um, and I just literally, as soon as I got to my seat, started crying, and I felt the chills, and I felt the Holy Spirit. And he was like, you're home, just relax and breathe. And, um, and so, I just got, you know, God is good. And I don't have to continue to be, I said I was on the crazy train the last year and I didn't even buy a ticket for it. And so <laughs> I can choose to get off and I can choose to move forward and I can choose to choose Jesus every day. And even if that means I'm standing alone, um, that's, I can choose that. And um, I went through an, a Bible study last year of Elijah. And if you know the story of Elijah, he stood on the mountaintop and he called for the fire to come down. But before Elijah got to the mountaintop, Elijah was in a valley alone at the brook of Kareth and he was fed by ravens and was in a drought season and somehow God provided. But we have to, you know, that, that Bible study says, we all want to be on the mountaintop where Elijah is, but we don't want to have to go through what Elijah went through. And sometimes you have to stand alone, and sometimes you have to walk through the valley and the hurts and the heartaches and the brokenness. But we have to persevere like that passage says. We have to keep going and win, and win the race. And sometimes the people that we think are going to be in the race with us aren't there. But that doesn't mean God is not good. And he is for us, and we just have to keep choosing him every day, despite the darkness around us. So I won't take up any more time, but I thanks for listening. And I said it out loud, I guess I'm not quitting. So... God's good. God's good. Um, we're going to sing a song together. And, uh, you know, um, the song is uh, Gratitude. Uh, we've sung it many times here, but, you know, that has been a key thing for me in this last season is uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus means that um, we fix our eyes on who he is and what he's done and what he's capable of, right? And um, so that should cause gratitude and thanksgiving to well up in us in those moments. And so my desire this morning is as we sing this last song before we dismiss to, uh, to, go, um, to go eat together, you know, um, 
Pastor Jane's in the back, and she's gonna she's available if anybody needs prayer this morning. If you feel like uh, maybe you're stuck in something, like she's she's absolutely available, and she would love to pray with you. But let's really mean this song, okay? As we sing and we give him our gratitude of who he is, recall the goodness in your life. Even if right now it doesn't feel good, he's still good. He's still good. There's so, still so much, thing, so much to be grateful for in our lives. So can we choose that this morning, church? We're grateful for who he's been to us these last six years, but he is not done. And we don't need to keep dwelling in what's been because we need to fix our eyes on what is going to be. There's going to be great things in store, church. We fix our eyes on him and we'll see it. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your graciousness in, your, in our lives, your mercy. Like, God, we could go on and on and on and on and on this morning telling story after story after story of your goodness and how grateful we are for you. And that's an incredible thing that we could never run out of thanksgiving. It's impossible. So God, as we, uh, as we sing this last song and we go and we fellowship and we eat together and just revel in your goodness this morning, we pray that you would know our hearts towards you and you would, you would know our gratitude. That we know every good and perfect gift in our lives is because of you. So we choose to fix our eyes on that. And not what the world wants to distract us with, not the brokenness, not the pain, not the, not the season that we're in, not the fear, not the control stuff. God, we choose to fix our eyes on you and what you provide, what you're calling us to. We choose that this morning. So with every word we sing, God, we pray that it would bring a smile to your face so you would know it comes from genuine place in our hearts. God, we love you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.